Hello and welcome to another edition of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, the music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. I'm Keefe from GhostCultMag.com, your occasional co-host of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast. And with us as always is my amazing co-host, Curtis Dewar. Of the 14-hour workday. The 14-hour workday. While Matt Bacon is in Europe, keynote speaking and enjoying his birthday, watching cool bands, Curtis and Keefe are at work, actually. And what are we going to talk about today, Curtis? Well, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about Rush, specifically the fact that a member of the legendary uh, Canadian progressive metal band Rush has died, and their numbers increased as a result of that. Um, and I, I think the way we want to frame it is kind of like, why does this happen? Is that how you wanted to do it, Keith? Yeah, I'm going off the mark. No, I think that's, you know, I think it's interesting as a society, people care a lot more about you when you pass away. And uh, this is no different as an artist, you know, Nirvana, you know, as impactful as they were, and I'm not a huge fan, but as impactful as they were to a generation of fans, there's no question that they are a much bigger band Mythology, you know, the mythology of Nirvana is bigger than Nirvana was ever, and they have. I want to point out that Pearl Jam was actually bigger than Nirvana when Kurt Cobain passed. They sure were. They sure were. By far. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to say by far, but I think they were pretty equivalent. Um, well, I I could be mistaken, but I thought, and I could be mistaken. We can check this later afterwards. Versus sold like five million copies to two million of In Utero. At the time of his death, I could be mistaken. Well, we can, like I said, we also start getting, we start slicing up who's a better band, and you know, I don't know what the future of Nirvana would have been because they only had a, hand, a couple of records, and Pearl Jam has continued to make records for years and years. I really only like four or five Pearl Jam records in total out of like ten or fifteen. So blasphemy! Um, new Pearl Jam record in a couple of months. Actually, that's kind of exciting. Um, exactly. But but yeah, so Neil Peart, rest in peace. We we briefly touched on this in a couple of pods this week. Neil Peart passed away. Apparently, he was sick for a long time with brain cancer. He was a, always a very private person. Had a lot of personal struggles in his personal life along the way. Retired from music at one point, and then came back. Um, and so and I and again, it was he was very private, so it was not public knowledge that he was ill and so the announcement that he had passed was very sudden and shocking to people and actually he had this is really kind of weird he passed away on the 7th and they didn't even make an announcement that he had passed until the 10th and it was kept a secret you know how hard it is to keep a secret in the music business I didn't realize it was a three-day lag. That's news to me. Okay. Yeah, so he technically passed away on the seventh, and then they made the announcement on the on the mid morning of the tenth, uh, sort of midday on the tenth. Um, so what we were talking about was the uh, two astounding numbers, and, and I guess I mean it's not that astounding. I think again, people have been very swept up in this. You know, when someone dies, suddenly their music takes on a new life. This has happened to a lot of bands and a lot of artists. Um, Rush has always been on streaming. They were not a holdout, as far as I know. Uh, they have been. They were maybe even an early proponent of streaming, and iTunes and things like that. And um, their sales have gone up 
The numbers will officially be in next week for next week's reporting, but the early numbers are 2,000% increase in their sales of music and a 776% increase in streams, uh, according to Billboard slash Nielsen and other industry meters. And apparently their greatest hits album, which is like the the last Rush record I think of because I'm a Rush fan and I think of their albums, but their greatest hits compilation is actually going to enter the Billboard chart next week for this past week. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'd rather the guy be alive and Rush still be a band than them be retired and him be passed. But, you know, it's I guess it's good for a silver lining, I guess. The surviving members for sure. Yeah, I mean, they don't need the money and they don't I don't think no, they but it's still it's probably still nice to be somewhat relevant. I mean, obviously, it's their bandmate, so I probably shouldn't be saying that. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's their brother. I mean, they were very close to three of them, so they had a very unique relationship. And uh, Neil, even though he wasn't a founding member, from the time he came in, he was the driving force behind the band. A lot of the things people love about Rush are because of Neil Peart. He's a legendary, groundbreaking, uh, innovative drummer, lyricist, conceptor, um, you know, even even his impact of the lyrics and what that did to their artwork and things, um, staging, his live performances, his ability to be improvisational, all these things. He was an upper echelon talent. Rush is an upper echelon band. I don't I don't kind of agree. I know there's the uh, great documentary by Sam Dung and uh, Banger Films now of Banger TV and still of Banger Films. But uh, there was this sort of assertion in that film that Rush is a cult band. But this is clearly evidence they're not a cult band. They never really they were. They aren't. I mean, they're, 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 they've always been kind of like that outsider nerdy band. Like they've never really been. I mean, they've, they've had big songs, but I mean, they're, they're not like. Joe Blow Average isn't going to name Rush as their favorite band. You know what I mean? At least as far as I know, they're like a music. They're they're more for music nerds. I mean, is is I is Rush not the greatest band in Canadian history, or is that just like Neil Young and everybody else? Well, even Neil. Well, I mean, I would say probably the most like uh, like the most famous Canadian band like musicians, as far as I can tell, would be like Celine Dion, Shania Twain, Brian Adams. I don't even think Rush would even enter in the top. Tend to be honest. I mean, they've won Juno awards. Um, Devin Townsend, Voivod comes to mind. Uh, Gorguts, Cryptopsy. Not even like in the top ten either. I mean, like our main export, like for major acts like Rush. I mean, yeah, they, they might be in the top ten, but I'm not even certain that they are. Just in terms of sales, even, but um, like, and even for cultural impact, I, I don't even know that they are. Your favorite uh, guy, the president of Canada made a uh the day of the announcement of neil's passing he released a statement uh which is a lot more than other presidents of countries would do when a legendary guy passes away so well he 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 did that when the tragically hip singer uh died too like i think the tragically hip probably had more of an impact on canada than rush did and i'm not even being facetious no of course gord downey um right gord downey yeah gord downey that was his name i forgot yeah like i i don't like i'm not canadian by the way you are What's that? You're the Canadian. I'm not. I know. I know. But you, 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 you get. You like know the details more mm-hmm. than I do. You got, you got more of the history. You're like more of the history buff than I am. A bit. Um, but anyways, yeah. I mean, I think I don't even. I'm not like. I'm not even sure Rush was 
in the top 10, but that that's neither here nor there. Like, I mean, the main, the main thing is like, it's always astounding to me. Like whenever anybody dies, that's like a somewhat notable musician. It's just like, boom, it's just like insanity with the amount of numbers that just come with that. And I'm not really clear why that is if it's just like everybody likes you when you're dead <laughs> uh there's one of my favorite poems of all time is uh by terry b of my ruin fame uh who's been in the news a little bit this week as she uh straight released some of her out of print albums to Bandcamp. if you're a terry b manhole tourist satana fan uh, check out those band camps but she has a poem she did several albums of poetry and she did a poem about when you're dead reflecting on you know how people talk shit about you when you're dead but they also love you the most when you're dead they don't really appreciate you when you're alive um, maybe I'll, I'll link it in the description or I'll tag it in, on Twitter but um, yeah it is weird and as a bacon I wish he was here because he's the guy who's all you know all about the streaming culture and he's that generation which is maybe, there's a whole bunch of people who only know Tom Sawyer and Limelight and the popular stuff. And then Neil died and all the Rush stands came out of the woodwork. And then a bunch of other people were like, well, let me go deep on this discography. Um, I am a bad example because – It might even be just to cut you off really quick, Keith. The other thing I think though too that might be, in a, be part of this at least is that there's a lot of big musicians that were doing tributes. So – I, I'm wondering if maybe the tributes from like some of the bigger names might be actually part of the bigger, even part of the push too. How many times do I have to listen to YYZ to get the drum part right? <laughs> a thousand, a million. I don't even know what YYZ is. It is a Rush song, my friend, from from <laughs> Moving Pictures. Okay. I figured um, as much, but I was yeah. like, if you would have just said that to be a passing conversation, I would have been like, what? Yes. Good. Look it up. Great instrumental song. I, I don't know. You know, I, I do feel like Rush is an upper echelon classic rock, progressive rock band. But again, I was alluding to the fact that I am probably too close to the music as a lifelong progressive rock nerd. Um, my Some of my very first musical experiences was learning to play bass to Rush albums, 2112 in particular. I was playing all of 2112 when I was 15, 16. Um, maybe even a little younger, actually. Um, not the very first things I ever learned, but in that very formative time for me, uh, progressive rock and thrash metal were like really the first things I cut my teeth on. And then maybe some classic rock stuff. So, yeah, man, very sad that he passed. Very interesting that this culture of consume, consumption, this is what this podcast is really about, the consumption of music. Um, we started to talk about this. We were going to talk about this with Chris Van the other day, which is, again, the uh, music consumption numbers came out from uh, Band Zoogle. And uh, very similarly, they were talking about the biggest selling rock and or metal band of last year was Tool um, with 366,000 physical copies all told of that Fear Inoculum record. Metallica was actually the biggest selling rock or metal band of the last five years just by volume of albums sold. That's streaming and physical. And I do believe that Metallica definitely did several legs of their tour where if you bought one of those tickets to their show, you also got a copy of Hardwired to self-destruct. So I don't know. That's that's a common practice now. Yep. 
where they bundle the ticket with an album, you get a download of the album. I think it's cool. I don't I don't mind it. You know, listen, if you're going to pay 80 bucks for a ticket to see Metallica, it's cool, I think, to get the album also. And I don't I don't think it's a double dipping. I think it's more value than less. Um, And then I guess Queen was in there and you and I had talked about this offline, which is that Queen had the Bohemian Rhapsody film come out late in 2017, right? Or late in 2018, and then uh, and then all of 2019, this Bohemian Rhapsody, Oscar, you know, Academy Award, Golden Globes, Grammy Awards, chart topping, all Queen discography enters the charts, Spotify streams out the window. So I think like you know, it is definitely sort of a cultural impact that rock and heavy metal still have. I know that a lot of people want to say it doesn't, but it does. Um, maybe it's not as mainstream as rap. Eminem surprise dropped a record last night. It's already got like a millions of streams in 20, less than 24 hours. I listened to the whole, Oh, go ahead. Do you think just, just as a side note, do you think, cause you said, you think rush is like a top echelon band. Do you think that they, ha- that they're, uh, of the same level as like a kiss or a, maybe uh, something like that? Not in record sales, but surely in every other way. I mean, Rush is – yeah, for sure. I mean, there's not – I mean, like, so, you know, let's take it back. Like, like Between the Buried and Me is going to be doing a celebratory tour this year, and that's a band that draws, you know, heavily – heavily from Rush, Dream Theater, heavily inspired by Rush, Sons of Apollo's brand new album is out today, 2020, hugely inspired by Rush, Leprous, one of the best ba- you know best albums and best bands of 2019, hugely inspired by progressive rock, 70s progressive rock, specifically Rush and Yes and Genesis and bands like that. Opeth continues to put out records that are heavily drawing from the Rush playbook of songwriting and songcraft. So I think it's not even debatable how hugely impactful that band is. Um, But maybe the record sales aren't quite there compared to Kiss, obviously, compared to Zeppelin, clearly, compared to Sabbath, of course. Um, You know, and then Rush got in the Hall of Fame back in 2013. We were talking about the Hall of Fame on that episode. And Rush has been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I'm pretty sure they they were in... Maybe not the very first year they were eligible, but uh, you know if they were formed in whatever nineteen seventy three or two, and they had a, their first record out in you know seventy four, and they made it in twenty thirteen. So it's you know it's four you know not quite forty forty years of the, since their inception. So it's a little over. I think twenty five years is the usual. Um, starting mark but you know fuck the hall of fame as we previously just discussed in general they're assholes and they don't know shit and i feel like their voting majority their voting body wouldn't know good music if it fucking bit them on the ass and that's not a knock on anyone who got in because i'm in favor we as we discussed in the other pod i'm a a fan of the bands that got in you know if you're gonna have it should be the music hall of fame not the rock and roll hall of fame do you think that Rush had more of an influence on progressive music than uh, Genesis, or as much? As much, if not more, for sure. Really? Well, Genesis is really only a progressive band for seven or eight years. Peter Gabriel left, and they were still pretty proggy, and then they slowly became a pop rock band. Fair. Okay, fair. And I love me some Genesis. I was wondering, like, if, do you think if a member of Genesis died, 
it would be of the same magnitude as uh, this death. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think Genesis is a beloved band. I think Phil Collins, even in, even ill, is is on tour in a chair because you know he's had a lot of maladies and health problems the last few years. But like he is beloved. That tour has been selling out all over the world. There's a, there's still rumors that you know before Phil fell ill. There was going to be, and there still may yet be, a Genesis tour that includes both Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel doing separate sets of Genesis music, which I would love to see. I think Peter would love to do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, I don't want anyone to die. Uh, you know, I wish we were all no, immortal. No, of course not. I'm just wondering if, if you think in terms of, like, the big picture, if you think Genesis was is more or less... So I, I, maybe it's about the well. yeah. Maybe it's about the fan base though, because so the Rush fan base is so hardcore, and the musician fan base of Rush is so heavy. And maybe like Genesis doesn't come first to my, top of mind. Maybe Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks are not top of mind as the master musicians that they are. You may think of other guitar players ahead of and bassists ahead of Mike Rutherford. You might think of other keyboard players, Rick Wakeman, probably, and you know Keith Emerson, rest in peace, is higher on that uh, echelon. And maybe John Lord of Deep Purple, rest in peace, is higher on that echelon than Tony Banks. But Tony Banks is incredible. You can sing whole keyboard lines of Genesis songs like almost a guitar solo. Like they're he's so tuneful and cool. Um, but you know, obviously, look, Peter Gabriel is a giant of music, not just. Genesis, but his solo career is humongous. P Phil Collins has some of the biggest selling records of all time that No Jacket required with the studio and things like that. He had a bunch of ballads. I mean, you know, throw out the Tarzan stuff. That's garbage. But like, I know he took a lot of beating from the internet and from South Park and all kinds of things. Listen, Phil Collins is a genius. He's a genius drummer. He's a pretty talented singer and piano player at his prime. I saw um, Phil Collins solo in 1991 on the But Seriously tour. He literally put on a three-hour show. He never left the stage. Not not to take a piss, not for a drink of water. I was, I was just going to say, I don't know how you do that. It's insane. Yeah, and he was, he was like 40 at the time, you know, like 35, 40 at the time. So, like... Uh, not a young guy and he had like insane he played a drum solo he did in the air tonight he played piano he sang lead up at the front of the stage he he danced around a little bit it's not really what you want from phil collins to like do a little jig but he danced a little he wore a suit i mean like you know so uh, the guy's an entertainer i don't know i think rush maybe there's sort of a, a love people who love rush really love rush and um Maybe you can't say that about every famous legendary band that their fan base. Again, we were like, how did the Doobie Brothers get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? They seemed pretty middle of the road with only a couple of good albums, but clearly they got in the Hall of Fame also. And um, I, I always kind of thought of Rush, like, I mean, and I could, I, I could be wrong on this, is but I mean, I've always kind of thought of Rush as more like a cult band, like Blue Oyster Cult, but obviously they're not. No, they're much bigger, and I love Blue Oyster Cult's a band. I grew up – like to me, in my childhood, I grew up with Blue Oyster Cult was like right behind Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and like – Rush. And I know that's not the case for everybody else. People know Don't Fear the Reaper and Burning for You and the hit songs Astronomy, which Metallica covered. But like to me, I'm such a – and Godzilla, but I'm such a huge Blue, uh, Blue Oyster Cult fan 
I love their records. Like they're from New York, so I think I had like a little more of an attraction to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still around. They're still kicking it. Actually, I think they have one of their greatest hits albums was reissued today or next week. I got to double check that. I think it's on. Uh, yeah, cult classics with the two Ks. I think oh, it's nice. yeah, very nice. Yeah, so like that maybe you know we'll take a look at that. That's also. A very cool underrated band. I think Bacon and I have had conversations about like Blue Oyster Cult deep cuts and B sides and how good they were, and still are. He is. He's a fan. Bacon. Bacon. A surprise. He's not just Jimmy Buffett, who's crap. He loves Jimmy Buffett. I don't understand that shit. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Rush, man. Rest in peace, Neil Peart. And uh, just interesting what happens when uh, somebody passes away, and their music just goes through the roof. Um, yeah. I, it'd be interesting to see what happens for smaller artists like if that happened for um, Motorhead I it, just interestingly if you want to just talk about pop culture and we talked about yeah. consumption and Queen I interviewed Mayhem in the fall for their new album Demon which is out now on Century Media Records and I asked them if the Lords of Chaos movie bumped the needle for their album sales and they were like you know at the time it came out a little but not really enough to put money in their pockets so if you want to take the really? it, yeah not enough huh. Huh. I would have thought opposite right yeah yeah same now the maybe they all went to Burzum fuck Varg and um I had to say that I'm yeah I wish I fucking hate Varg so much that guy is a human turd and uh, I said that to get a reaction. I know you did. I know you know. I'm gonna pay you back in some terrible way later on, but because uh, I'm a vindictive, petty person at heart. But um, yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, that's just such a very interesting. You want to just you know flip that pop culture thing upside down and talk about underground bands when somebody. Uh, you know, passes away from the underground. Does it help their band? I mean, you know, obviously, look, it's not. We're not about money. This is not. What, we're just. We're just curious as music industry people how this works. Not. I don't care about money. I don't care about record sales. I don't think. You know, I, I'm sure everybody would love Neil Pert to be alive and not passed away. That shit sucks. Well, I got a question, quick question for you before we wrap up. Like, okay, do you know if the Motorhead if Motorhead took a took a big bump in sales when Lemmy died or did, uh, did, is it like no effect did, did you read my mind because I had thought about Motorhead like a few minutes ago they flashed into my brain you know I think they had continued to put out records continuously through their career I don't think there's been a definitive Motorhead box set in a long time and they did just do a 40th anniversary what Motorhead is doing is these anniversary things so you know they put out so many records in a row early so Bomber, my favorite Motorhead record, had a huge deluxe demos box set reissue thing last year. I have a feeling there will be others coming soon. 1916 has an anniversary. There's a bunch more coming. So, um, you know, I don't know. I'd have to check. I don't think they did, but because I've always been under the impression that they are definitely a cult band. Yeah, I mean, Motorhead is a band that like punk and heavy metal people universally love. It's one of the few bands, as I've said, there's three bands in music history most punks and metalheads all love. Motorhead, Misfits, Ramones. For some reason, those three bands transcend, and to a lesser extent, Black Flag, but not, not I've met a lot of metal people who don't like any incarnation of Black Flag, which is weird. But those bands seem to transcend... 
the genre lines that used to exist and maybe because we're in a streaming age and there's a whole new generation of music fans or several new generations that didn't grow up with those bands. But Motorhead is definitely has been more of a cult band. But I feel like Lemmy is synonymous with rock and roll and metal. And, I, you know, he's got a fucking statue at the rainbow. There's they renamed in like moments they're are cult, but I mean I think they too as well. And even the Misfits, I don't think any of them really ever sold. I feel, well, no, for sure. Ramones never sold that much, and I think Ramones transcended like most punk rock. Went from being this rebellious underground anti-establishment music to being the most establishment classic rock thing you could have. And by the time I was a teenager, to me, Ramones had become classic rock, and not really, I didn't really equate them with punk. And I'm from New York, uh, and I've met Ramon members of the Ramones, and so like, and I'm a huge fan. But uh, I feel like they kind of became very mainstream because they were so commercial and catchy. And um, I'm sure much to the sold, which is weird. Yeah, they never had a big so much. Yeah, I'd be interesting to see what their biggest selling record is or their most streamed record is. Um, but yeah, I don't think they were ever that commercial or big. Motorhead as a band, I, I think a lot of people know Ace of Spades and Killed by Death, and they don't know much more unless they're a real fan. Uh, but Lemmy himself is an icon. People know Lemmy's face. They know him. It's kind of like Scott Ian now is that guy. You just when you when there's a metal show on, we're gonna make a documentary about Pantera. Hey, call up Scott Ian. I'm sure he's gonna be ready for the camera in two minutes. And and Lemmy for a while was that guy in the 80s and 90s where he was fucking everywhere. And he and he is ubiquitous. And he is if you watch the Lemmy movie. He really became like the go-to personality. Ozzy, no, because he was nuts and on drugs. And, you know, uh, Bon Jovi's too pretty. Sorry. And, uh, you know, like Lemmy is the fucking man. And uh, it sucks that he's gone. And um, like I said, when when an entire industry renames a classic spirit drink after him. If cla- you know, Jack and Coke is one of the like mixed drinks of my parents' generation. It was like a thing that you would get a gin tonic or a Jack and Coke. And the beverage industry collectively renamed the Jack and Coke the Lemmy in their fucking like categories. You know, you made an impact. Like that dude is synonymous with the thing that probably helped kill him. So anyway... <laughs> Weird and morbid topic today, but yeah, man, just interesting from a standpoint of the music industry why this happens. It'd be great to get Bacon on and revisit this sometime with his take because I bet he's got some thoughts on this whole thing. I'm sure. Uh, what do we want to plug today, Curtis? I think we have something very special to plug. Oh, we have a giveaway. I don't recall everything that's in it, but I have a social media audit that's a part of it. Um, and now I'm obviously I'm going blank the exact second you asked me that question. How about I help? Uh, what's that? Should I help? Yep, but definitely help. You, you've been you've been on all all of it for the whole time, so that's probably why you you, you will probably give a much more more coherent answer than me. My pleasure. So here we go. Uh, a bunch of us music marketing, PR, and social media experts banded together. Uh, inspired by Matt Bacon, I'll give him the credit, Dropout Media, to offer this incredible giveaway sponsored by Ghost Cult Magazine, which I own, and Alternative Control, owned by the great and uh, probably need to get her back on as a guest, Jessie May. Uh, and we're offering this collection of services to bands. So this is a 2020 music marketing and PR 
tune-up that also includes social media, and you get a custom band biography from Rocket Right, Monica Strutt's DIY PR course for bands, uh, a six-month marketing plan from Matt Bacon of Dropout Media, a social media audit by the one and only Curtis Dewar of Dewar PR, and a, a social media consulting call for strategy with yours truly, Kefi. Um, and this is going to go on till February 7th, and you uh, enter to win on Ghost Cult, I believe. All of the stakeholders in this are going to make posts about this on social media, on our websites. Uh, this is completely free. It's an over $700 value of services. Uh, winner will be chosen at random. You have to have music on Bandcamp, Spotify, or SoundCloud. You have to be an artist or a band. Could be any genre. Obviously, all of us tend to work with rock and metal people, but uh, if somebody won that was, you know, R&B, all the things we do are, uh, you know, hip hop, they're all applicable. Clearly, we all work in the rock world, but um, you can sign up to win at Ghost Cult Mag. There's a post there now. Social media is follow us. I know Monica's already shared it. Matt has shared it. Jesse and I Curtis will share it. it this, this morning, but uh, have not posted on my Facebook yet? Yeah, no worries. I sent the, the info around for everybody to share. I think this is pretty cool when, you know, it, the, the, the time and effort we will give to the prize winner, this is stuff that could transform your band. I think that's the thing that's really cool about this. If you're struggling with how to market yourself, with how to do PR, with how to manage your social media, with what kind, what is a marketing plan, what does the next six months to a year of your band look like, this stuff is can help you. And it's free, and and you're not giving up, you know, just signing up with an email to get it. So pretty neat. And the best, the best thing too is that everybody that's got something as part of the giveaway are absolute geniuses at what they do. So it's a really good thing. Sorry, I just had to say that part right there. Well, thank you. I agree. I agree on the genius part on everybody else. Um, I don't like to call myself a genius. I used to get referred to at work as the guru of social media, which I dislike. I'd rather be. Just Keith the professional. I'm grounded in reality like a Batman movie. I, I want to be in the real world and not a superhero. But I appreciate you. You are correct. Monica, Jesse May, yourself, Matt Bacon, all geniuses. I'm pretty cool. We're awesome. We are awesome. And so on that note, you know who's not awesome? Jeffrey Epstein because he was fucking killed. Um, he probably was never awesome, but anyway, he was murdered. Uh, you, the fourteen-hour workday. He also probably had a fourteen-hour workday at some point. Um, you have been listening to the Dumb and Dumbest podcast, and by the way, thank you for listening. And if you have enjoyed this podcast and other podcasts, the Dumb and Dumbest podcast has created. Please subscribe, follow wherever you listen to podcasts. I am Keefy from Ghost Cold Mag. Curtis, take us home. Are we done yet? Everything is terrible